But if you have your Bibles uh, this, this morning, I hope you do, uh, wherever you're watching, uh, I, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter one is where we're going to be. I pray that uh, this message will be a blessing to you. It's been a blessing and a challenge to me as well. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about the gospel. Uh, the gospel is the good news. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter where in the world you go. Uh, you can be in Africa. You can be in Asia. Uh, you can be in Canada. Uh, wherever you are, the gospel is the same. It's the same good news. It translates cultures, languages. Um, it, it transcends all of that uh, because it is what our souls long for. Uh, it is uh, that what brings us to Christ, uh, salvation in him. And so the gospel is really what I want to talk to you about this morning. And we're going to go through uh, and read this uh, chapter number one. And there's three things that I want you to notice here when it talks about the gospel. And we're going to cover that this morning. Uh, number one, fellowship in the gospel. We're going to talk about that. Also, furtherance of the gospel. And lastly, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So Philippians chapter one is where we're going to be. Uh, we'll start reading in verse number one. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as in my bonds, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by, Christ, by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that, in, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, I will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I, yet what I shall choose, I what not. 
For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Let's open a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Lord, for his heart for souls, his heart for the local church to be thriving, uh, to be gospel-focused. And God, I pray that this morning that you would use me to encourage your church here in St. Thomas to be gospel-centered, gospel-focused, that we would see souls who need the gospel, the gospel to change their lives. Lord, there are people here uh, in this community, uh, in, in this, uh, in this uh, province, in this country, and in this world who need Jesus Christ. They need the hope that Jesus Christ provides. They need the love. They need uh, the forgiveness that Jesus Christ provides. Lord, I pray that uh, this morning that you would encourage your people uh, to be on mission for you. Lord, you have a mission for us. You've given us a great commission. Lord, help us to be obedient to this. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we've been missionaries in, in Gambia, um, the Lord has, has really encouraged me and, and has really focused me on, uh, on valuing fellowship, uh, valuing friendships with other pastors. Um, and it's been so encouraging for me to be back here and to be in some churches, both in Canada and the States, and to, to be encouraged and to see what God's doing in, in spite of all the changes and the adjustments. Um, it's been an encouragement to be with your pastor, Pastor Yeomans, and uh, I've learned to value those friendships more than I probably did uh, several years ago and longer than that uh, growing up. I grew up in, in a Christian home, um, but it really took me a few years to understand, especially living overseas has taught me this, um, but to value those friendships. Uh, we live in a country that's 95% Islamic. Uh, we don't have a large group or a, a church uh, per se, that we can fellowship with and be encouraged. Uh, there's a lot of charismatic uh, movement there in Africa. And so it's very difficult to find others uh, that we can fellowship with and be encouraged with. And so I've learned to value uh, these friendships and the fellowship that we uh, enjoy. But fellowship in general terms is not exactly what I'm talking about here. It's not what I'm referring to. The word fellowship can mean different things to different people. When we read that in verse number five, for your fellowship in the gospel, uh, sometimes people uh, can think of gatherings or, or reunions or fellowships or food fellowships. You know, Baptists, we enjoy good food fellowships. Uh, I know for many churches, it's been a long time since they had one of those because of the pandemic, but uh, we enjoy that. And, and that's what we think a lot of times as, as far as, uh, as fellowship goes. But Paul here in Philippians chapter 1 is speaking about the fellowship of the gospel. 
It's something different than what our minds sometimes think as fellowship. Remember, Paul was imprisoned uh, when he wrote this. This is one of his prison epistles. And so when he's writing this, he's in prison. And, and, and I think it's important for us to take into context his situation and his condition here because it helps us see his true heart. It helps us see his heart of love and devotion to Christ, his love for the local church, his love for the gospel. And so this morning, I want us to focus in on chapter one, specifically on the three points that I pointed out, the fellowship in the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel, and striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we're going to try to understand what Paul is, is encouraging us here in Philippians 1. But first of all, I want us to look at verse 5, the fellowship of the gospel. As I've already said, Christian fellowship is, is so important. It's such a vital part of our walk with God and our relationship to one another. But the simple Bible definition of the word fellowship here is to have in common. To have in common. To share in close mutual association. What do we share as believers? We share salvation. We share eternal life. That's our inheritance in heaven. We share that. And that is such a special thing. We have in common salvation. True Christian fellowship goes much deeper than sharing coffee or having a meal with someone. It is sharing in common the knowledge of and identifying with Jesus Christ and sharing heart to heart. That's why when Paul wrote here, he said there in, in verse 7 that he has these people in his heart because sharing heart to heart, our common inheritance, eternal life, is what gives us joy and happiness and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to share that one to another. And this is really what Paul is, 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 is talking about here in these first few verses of chapter one. This is what, as Christians, our soul longs for. This is what we need. We, first were, we were first created for relationship with God. We know that. The Bible teaches that. Your pastor teaches that here. We each, every, every man, woman, and child was created for relationship with God. God wants to, to save all sinners, whosoever may come. We know that. God wants every person to have a relationship with him. And that's our desire for the world. We were first created for relationship with God, but second, we were created for relationship with our fellow man. You know, you can't just live under a rock somewhere. We, we have to live in this world. We're, we're not of this world, but we're in this world. The Bible teaches that. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but when you spend quality time with other believers— those of you who know Christ as your Savior and you spend time with other believers who are encouraging to you, you understand how, how, how sweet that is. Why? Because we can open our hearts and share burdens and trials and victories and answers to prayer. And this is what our, our soul longs for. It's what, our soul, it's what fills our soul. And no doubt, spending time in God's Word uh, is what does that. But also, it's what encourages us in our walk with God by being together, by fellowshipping together, by encouraging one another, and not just in person, but through emails and letters and phone calls, and even doing this uh, uh, on live stream, and being able to fellowship with each other. This is how Paul can be in prison and be writing in such an uplifting and encouraging way, because he shared in common the gospel. 
he shared in common Jesus Christ with his readers. This is essentially the ministry and purpose of our relationship as a missionary, as a sent one to carry the gospel to another country, another place in the world. This is our relationship as missionary and local church. It is a mutual common ministry of prayer, of thankfulness, of encouragement, of sacrifice, of bearing uh, of burdens. See there in verse number seven, verse seven, Paul says that he holds these people in his heart. Can you see the connection that he has, that they share, but also the love that he references in verses eight and nine? He says, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound. You can, you can see his heart there on the pages. You can see it come off the pages there. And you can see here's a man in prison, but he's writing to this church. And he, he's, he's encouraging them. He, he wants to be with them. He's connected to them through Jesus Christ. You see, friend, it is important that we recognize what gospel fellowship is. And what our responsibility is to each other as we seek to be faithful to God. But unless a person has trusted Jesus Christ as their savior, he or she cannot experience and reap the rewards that come from the fellowship of the gospel. A person may understand generally what fellowship means. That's why when people come to the church or they attend church, they may not understand why, what, what brings all these people here. What makes, what makes it click? Why, why would people do that? Much of the world thinks uh, that is just a waste of time. Sunday is another day to, to do whatever you want to do. So people don't understand that. But unless a person has trusted Christ, they can't understand that. Unless they've uh, had Christ come into their life and save them, they cannot fully understand what gospel fellowship in Jesus Christ is or what it means. But those of you who know Christ, you know what it means. You know how special that is. You know how vital that is to your soul, to your life. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 talks about the fellowship of the Spirit. This is only possible for those who know Jesus Christ and have identified with him. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10 talks about the fellowship of his sufferings. Again, Paul is writing this. We know what Paul went through. Uh, incredible uh, persecution, incredible suffering for the cause of Christ. But he writes here and he talks about the fellowship of his sufferings. And this is only possible, again, to understand if, if you know Jesus Christ and have identified with him, even to the point of being willing to die for the cause of Christ. Willing to suffer and die to identify with Jesus Christ. Paul was willing to do that. No doubt he did do that. So true Christian fellowship is unique. Our, our relationship to one another our relationship to our church, our relationship to God is unique because it is, it is possible to be close to someone physically, but be very distant from them spiritually. You know this if you work in the secular world, you work around unsaved people, you know how your relationship only goes so far. Uh, many of you have had gospel conversations and shared the gospel with your coworkers or neighbors, and maybe they've rejected it. And, and sometimes the relationship can be awkward from then on, can it not? Sometimes it, it is, but we shouldn't stop there. We should continue to be uh, faithful and, and, and giving the gospel out and living the gospel to, to those neighbors. But you understand how there, there's a barrier there. And what is the barrier? It is their willingness to accept Jesus Christ 
or their rejection of Jesus Christ. That's the barrier. That's why as believers, we can be so connected because we share in common Jesus Christ. You can fellowship with unsaved people in general terms, but spiritual depth often isn't there because there's a rejection of Jesus Christ there. The substance of the relationship is only surface level because knowing Jesus is what gives the relationship depth and meaning. Those of you who are married, you know this. Being married, uh, the Bible speaks about this. Being married to another Christian is, is, is the pattern of the Bible. Being married to an unsaved, being unequally yoked, there's a barrier there. And that barrier, uh, while God can do great things and save people, uh, there, there is a spiritual barrier there between the two. And so what brings us into union with Christ and one another is Jesus Christ, is salvation, is the gospel. Gospel fellowship, Christian fellowship is so necessary because it's deeper and bigger than ourselves. It requires us to increase our love for each other. You see that in verse number nine. To discern and focus on the main thing, which is the gospel, verse number 10. And it requires us to be filled with fruits of righteousness in verse number 11. Notice there in verse number four, though, in chapter one, Philippians chapter one and verse four, Paul references the joy that he has for the believers. Chapter two in verse two also references this joy that he has for the believers and his prayer for them to be strengthened and unified in Jesus Christ. It's important to see here, folks, that our source of joy in fellowship comes from our common bond in Jesus Christ. You want to have joy? You have to have Jesus Christ. You want to have happiness? You have to have Jesus Christ. As we've been in Gambia, uh, Muslim people, uh, many of them are seeking peace. They're seeking happiness, seeking joy in their life. Many of them are miserable, to be honest with you. Many of them don't have uh, that, that hope. Um, they don't have that, that freedom and that, that happiness in their life. Why? Because they're in a religion. Uh, they're, they're in a works religion trying to work their way to heaven, and it's miserable because they know uh, if they're honest with themselves, they can't, they can't do enough good. Um, they're not good people. But what provides us joy is knowing that, that we aren't good, but Jesus is. He's, he, he provided salvation to us, and that's what gives us joy, is, is having that common bond in Jesus Christ. Paul had these believers in his heart. He's writing this, this, this letter a long ways from those that were in Philippi. But their spiritual fellowship and joy was real. It was connected through this letter because of their fellowship in the gospel. It's amazing. I mean, what we're reading is a letter. It's not like a sermon uh, that he gave to them in person. This is a letter. But we can see that he, he had great love for these people. He wanted them to know that he wanted to be there with them, even though God had him away, for them, uh, away from them for a time. So he was a long ways from them, but he can be talking about uh, the, the love that he has for them uh, in, in, a, in a special way because he's connected to them in Jesus Christ. But not only does Paul have joy in their fellowship, but he has confidence in God. And, and love for the people that we see in verses 6 through 11. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you. Speaking of the people he's writing to. Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's confident. He's confident in, in the power of God. In the sufficiency of Christ. 
to care for these people, to provide for their needs. And so in many ways as a missionary, this is our prayer for you as a local church. You know, we're many times we only come around a couple of, uh, uh, and once in a couple of years, but we have confidence knowing that if you keep your eyes on Christ, he's going to be your sufficiency. He's going to take care of you and bless you and use you. So Paul's heart was full of love. His desire for them was that their fruits of righteousness and Christ-likeness would abound to one another. You see that there in verse number nine. I think this is a great challenge for us. As we think of our lives, we think of, uh, of our individual lives, our family, uh, our church. It's a great challenge to us in our own walk with God, in our relationship to one another. It's important that the gospel of Jesus Christ be first and foremost in our lives. And that the gospel would impact and influence our relationships as we seek to make Christ known in our community and around this world. The gospel has to be first and foremost. The world can't see other priorities in our life. They have to see Christ. They have to see that, that, that we are on mission for Christ. We want the gospel to permeate our lives, to, to flow out of us to this world and to our community. But Paul continues in verses 12 through 24. I want you to see this. He points out that the things that happened to him were to the furtherance of the gospel. So he establishes the fellowship in the gospel. He, he shares with them. He says, I, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Uh, he encourages them to, to have their love abound to one another. But then he kind of takes a, a personal application and, and uses his own personal experience to, to make a point here. He says that these things that happened to him were to the furtherance of the gospel. He makes the point here that there can be joy in trials. There can be joy in, in, in chains. There can be an outlook of being resiliently joyful no matter what happens to him. We, we can see that Paul's entire concern, his focus, his entire concern was for the advancement of the gospel. He was willing to bear the burden, the chains, the suffering, and even death. You see that uh, in, in verse uh, in verse number 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether I live or whether I die, Christ must be magnified. He was willing to bear the burden, the chains, the suffering, and even death with joy if it meant Christ was magnified and that the gospel message went forth. That was his focus. Let me challenge you as a local church, as individuals, as families, this should be your focus, first and foremost, that the gospel is center in your life and in your ministry. The trials that Paul went through could have defeated him. It could have discouraged him to the point where he was just grumpy and, 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 and didn't want to do anything for the Lord, at least not in the right attitude. And we know that, that trials and difficulties that come into our life can have the same effect if we try to handle this in the flesh. But Paul recognized that God had put him in this prison, in this place for a reason. We read about that because he was set for the defense of the gospel. He knew that he was going to have opportunities to preach the gospel, to live the gospel out in Rome. In places that many, many Christians and churches would not have the opportunity to go before the palace, to go before kings, to go before rulers, and to give a defense for the gospel. He saw, I mean, he endured all of these things, folks. 
because he loved Jesus Christ. He knew Christ had a plan for his life. He knew that through this, God would see him through it. He knew that he would one day be released and and come unto these people again. He writes about that here in chapter one. But he was confident. And we, we sometimes can allow trials and difficulties to defeat us to the point where we are not a testimony for Christ anymore. But Paul saw that this was an opportunity for Christ to be magnified. Man, if, if we would have that outlook in life that, you know, what if we get cancer, if we go in the hospital, if we get COVID, that we would just be a testimony for Christ. That is what Paul is writing here. He's encouraging these people to have their minds fixed on Christ. He knew that this was going to be an opportunity for Christ to be magnified, the gospel to be advanced, and Christians to be emboldened to preach Christ faithfully. What a great challenge this is for us. The gospel was so precious to Paul. It meant everything to him. I mean, he, he, he left everything to follow Christ and to, to do the Great Commission. It was so precious to Paul. The gospel was so important to him to live out and share with others. Paul knew that, that God would be glorified despite any pain, any disruption, uh, any suffering that he might endure. He knew that God would have a purpose for that in his life. Paul says in verses 14 through 17 that through his bonds, others were emboldened to preach the gospel because of his sufferings. How do we know this? Because Paul says he was set for the defense of the gospel. He was going to get opportunities to defend Jesus Christ before rulers. And he was going to have an opportunity to declare Jesus Christ as God's son to the world. This should be our response and this should be our focus and our goal as well. That no matter what we may face, no matter what we may endure, that God would be magnified. That we would see every situation, every event in our life, every, every person that we encounter as an opportunity to share Christ with. You see this theme continued uh, in more detail in verses 19 and following. Paul says that the furtherance of the gospel means... We have the mindset of magnifying Jesus Christ, whether by life or by death. This should be our mindset as well as a church, as, as individuals, as families, that we would have the mindset of magnifying Jesus Christ, that our, our family is going to magnify Christ. We're going to do his will. What he says to do, we're going to do it. And if we have that mindset, God's going to use us. He's going to use us in a great way. He will honor that and bless that. The gospel message is so important. The gospel message should influence our lives to the point where we're not ashamed of it. That we are, are bold in our witness. It's, it, we have to pray for this. Uh, Paul wrote about this. He asked people to pray for him that God would open unto him a door of utterance. That God would give him boldness. And we have to as well. We're not perfect in this. We, we need people to pray for us to do that even in Gambia. But whether we live or we die, our goal should be to magnify Christ. Paul, uh, sorry, God was not done with Paul though. We see this in verses 22 through 24. God had further plans for Paul. And so Paul uses this opportunity to challenge his readers to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Last point and then we'll be done. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see there in verses 25 through 30. Paul here challenges the believers to be filled with joy and to let their conversation be eternally focused. 
gospel-focused and mission-minded. He encourages them to be unified in one mind, having one mind centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe this is really what we need as believers in his churches today, to be focused and centered around the message of the gospel, which is the good news to the world. The gospel that saves us and sets us free from sin is what Paul was pleading with his readers to unite behind. And when we endure or suffer for Christ, our outlook in life, our outlook on our situations should be that God would magnify his son, Jesus Christ. We must have the the humility, the patience to put aside our comforts, our desires, our opinions, and be unified in the common focus, which is the message of the cross. Those of you who, who love sports, uh, I grew up playing sports. I grew up loving sports. I still do. I grew up uh, in the States near Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, so I grew up an Atlanta sports fan, Braves and Falcons. And, and uh, so I love sports. I grew up and, and still watch sports as I can today. But those of you who, who, who know sports and watch sports, you know that we'll never agree on, on which sports teams to cheer for. And none of that really matters anyway. Um, I, I can't even remember who won three years ago. But the message of the cross is, is really what matters. It's really what we remember. It's what people are impacted with in their hearts. So let me challenge you to make the gospel the main thing. Make it the most important thing in your home, in your church, in, in, in your outlook in life. Make it, make it what is central to your relationship to one another. Uh, because we're not going to agree on everything, uh, especially today in the world we live in. But make it the center of your home, of your church, of your ministry. And as we look at, at just the couple, first couple of verses there of, of chapter 2, you can, you can see through the rest of the book of Philippians, you see this, this theme of same-mindedness repeated in each chapter. It's not talking about agreeing. Uh, we're a diverse body. We're a diverse people uh, with different backgrounds, different skills, different experiences, different passions, different opinions. But what we can agree on, what we can have fellowship in, is the gospel. We can be focused and be resilient in our passion for the gospel. Our passion for the lost and our passion for each other and loving one another, strengthening one another, is what we really need to be focused on. Our fellowship in the gospel should be cultivated. Our focus should be on the furtherance of the gospel. Whether we suffer, whether we endure hardships, that it should be for the furtherance of the gospel. And our minds should be unified in striving for the faith of the gospel. So, in closing, I hope that as we have studied here in Philippians chapter 1, and this is not new to us. I'm sure you've heard many messages from Philippians 1 and have read it. But I hope that the words of Paul here in this letter have been encouraging to you. Maybe it has been uh, challenging to you in your heart. Maybe our focus has been off for a while. I don't know your heart. I don't know what the Lord's speaking to you about. But maybe our hearts have been off. Maybe we have lost our joy, our love, our, our prayer for one another. Maybe we need to be praying for boldness to be better witnesses and testimonies for Christ. Or maybe we need to be unified together around the main thing, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is Christ being magnified in us? 
Think about that. Is Christ being magnified in us? Is the gospel being lived out and given out to our community? I hope that we can say that. And I hope and pray that that is our focus. The world doesn't need more opinions. The world doesn't need Christians uh, who are combative. The world needs compassion and love. They need to see people who, who are passionate about Jesus Christ and the hope that salvation brings in the hearts, of lives, hearts and lives of people. That is really what matters in this world. As we approach the last days, and I, I'm not setting dates. I have no idea when Christ is coming. But we know that Christ is coming back. He said he would. Are we on mission for Christ? Are, are, are we magnifying him with every, every uh, part of us? Are we giving that to the Lord? Are we using our lives to magnify him? Through trials, is it the one thing we pursue? The message that we live out in our home, is it the gospel? Is the message that we live out to those around us, those that we work with, our neighbors, is it the gospel? Our communities, our homes in this world needs compassionate, gospel-focused churches and Christians. I trust that your desire is to live for the gospel, as Paul did. Paul is an ex excellent example for us to see his heart behind these words. But I hope that, that, that this is what we live for, that the gospel makes all the difference. We know that it does. It did in my life as a five-year-old boy. And I trust he's done the same for you. And I pray that this is what uh, would be in our hearts, as Paul had these people in his hearts. I pray that we would have souls in our hearts, that we would have love for one another, and the gospel would, would impact our lives in a great way going forward. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for its saving power. God, thank you for faithful believers here in St. Thomas who are passionate about the gospel. Lord, thank you for a church that is on mission for you, that, that not only supports missions and missionaries, but in their community are involved, are, are inviting. Uh, they're sharing the gospel with, with those around them. Lord, thank you so much for a faithful church who loves you, uh, who wants to be used for you in a great way. God, I pray that you would use our lives, that our love would abound for one another, that we would uh, embrace trials as if you have a purpose for us, and you do. And Lord, I pray that we would strive together for the faith of the gospel. God, help us in these things. In your name we pray.